0: Right now, we're in a complicated moment because of so much misinformation and disinformation, especially in a pandemic, no less, especially with climate change. Like these are scientific topics. We need experts to help us.
1: Podcast is a very competitive space right now. Good ideas and good content can only take you so far. You also need good audio engineering.
2: One of your flagship series is The Other Latif Podcast, where you famously search for your namesake, Abdul Latif Nasser. This story takes the listeners on a journey spanning three different continents over several years. Hello and welcome to another Science Journal episode. I am your host, Asmat Nakib, and I am joined by my co-host, Shahir Liapat and Elissa Mepleh, and our guest, Latif Nasir. Thank you so much, Latif, for taking the time to speak with us. We are so pleased to have you on Science Journal. We're all huge fans of your work.
0: It's my honor to be here.
2: Thank you. Today, we will be having a discussion with Latif about his work as a podcaster, the content he creates, and the lessons he learned, so we can explore what goes behind his work and discuss the challenges he has faced, particularly those pertaining to science journalism and communication.
1: Latif Nasser is a science journalist and researcher. He serves as co-host of the WNYC Studios radio show Radio Lab. In 2020, he created the investigative series The Other Latif, where he explored the story of Guantanamo detainee Abdul Latif Nasser. Latif Nasser also hosted the well-received Netflix docu-series Connected, where he visits scientists from around the world to explore how their findings and research may benefit and impact the lives of others.
2: Thank you, Shahir. So Latif, though you need no introduction, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your hobbies, and how these led you into the world of content creation.
0: Sure. So I, I feel like I'm just a, I'm just an obsessive nerd is basically the short version of it. I feel like I'm still shocked that the weird cluster of obsessions and skills that I have are somehow incentivized and rewarded. But basically my my life is, and I've been lucky enough to make a job out of this, is I get really interested in very particular things. And then I, I read as much as I can about it. I talk to as many people as I can about whatever tiny thing, like what am I interested in right now? Like I'm interested in this particular Comic strip that was in the Navajo Times newspaper. Like, I'm doing a story about that right now. And so I was. I just got super obsessed with this one thing that not a lot of other people have heard of. And then I'm just reading about talking to as many people as I possibly can about it. And then, yeah, cut them together. Whatever medium it's in, whether it's in, I've done it in print, in newspapers, magazines, that kind of thing. Whether it's in audio, just splicing all the interviews together. Or whether it's in in a documentary TV type setting. It's basically the same thing. No matter which medium you're doing it in, it's, okay, here's the thing I'm really excited about. And how do I cut it together in a way that I think conveys that excitement that will show people who have never heard of this thing, who probably are pretty inclined not to care about this thing, to tell them why it actually, it like it blows my mind and I hope it blows your mind too, that kind of thing. Yeah, and so that's what I do and I do it in a bunch of different mediums and yeah, and I've been doing it for a long time.
2: Thank you so much. So, one of your flagship series is the Other Latif podcast, where you famously search for your namesake, Abdul Latif Nasser. This story takes the listeners on a journey spanning three different continents over several years. So while listening to the Other Latif, we could feel how challenging it must have been to gather information for a story that was sensitive and complicated, especially since most of the sources you reached out to would always tell you that it was classified. As journalism students, we were wondering, how did you deal with this? What steps did you take when your sources are not allowed to share? The necessary information because it can be quite demotivating for journalists
0: oh man no kidding the for me like i'm so used to talking to scientists who like who first of all are so excited to talk about the thing that they're talking about and not a lot of people are calling them up to talk about this super obscure thing so then when you do then they not only get excited and tell you about it but then also oftentimes they'll be like They'll email you again after the fact and they'll be like, I just wanted to make sure you're getting this thing right. Like, here's some supplemental information They here. And to me, I fell into that story about this guy who happened to share my name. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do a story about this. It'll be just like a normal story. And then it wasn't because the sources were totally different. They were not scientists they were people who worked for the CIA and they were like uh former Guantanamo Bay detainees and they were like they were a lot of very mixed bag of people with complicated backstories often like traumatic backstories often highly secretive like government classified kind of backstories so like that was really the hardest hard i think the hardest story i've done in terms of sources like just you got to work so so hard to find these people once you find them you got to work so hard to get them to talk to you when they do talk to you you have to get it works so hard to get them to say even the littlest like they would just drop one crumb at a time and and it was it, it took so long it was really frustrating and dispiriting because especially for me i'm used to just calling up somebody and you can find their email address on their university website and then they just get back to you right away and then that's great and this was not that and i think for me i was lucky a few things number one i was lucky i had a really good team of people who were working with me and we would pep each other up and remind each other why we were doing this and even though we were it felt like we were banging our head against brick walls like oh no but there's something really interesting and important behind this brick wall that is worth doing it for so that was nice the other thing was that it felt like at least especially for that particular kind of story guantanamo bay first of all it was a story that had been out of the news for a really long time and it was a story that it felt like no one had covered in exactly the way that i could and wanted to cover it which is to really humanize this guy and to really make him more than just a detainee isn like number basically. And so for me, I, and I felt that in a in a really personal, deep way because of the name coincidence, because of all these like life coincidences, but also just because I was at the time becoming an American citizen and it felt so weird. I was like, why am I signing up to this country that's, that has this horrible moral stain on it? And should I be doing that? And anyway, so there was a lot of personal stuff I had going on that it felt like also I was investing it in this piece. So that kind of helped get me over that speed bump of all these people, nobody returning my calls or emails or whatever. Yeah. And so to me I like I, I try to find stories that are both interesting, both to me and I hope to other people and that are also important, and that, that sort of ought to be told. And so for me, this kind of hit both of those, maybe more l- leaning to the kind of important side of it, but but I think it checked both those boxes. So I was like, okay, as, as annoying and dispiriting it is to send the ninth email that nobody is responding to, in the thread, it's just nine emails from me. It's still, I'm gonna send that 10th email.
1: Definitely, and we're all big fans of that offering we listen to the podcast and personally i just really loved how you wrapped the investigation in a story about going online and then looking up your name and exactly one person showing up with that name it's just a great way to tell a story and to relate to other people and i think what that project did was that it underlined the ambiguity of being a global citizen in the 21st century and it was a great metaphor for our times Along with the podcast, I'd also like to talk about your Netflix docu-series, Connected, where you talk to scientists and examine what can seem like some of the most trivial things that surround us daily. Things like dust, surveillance cameras, clouds, and then you explain what impact these things have on humanity. So it's really a a one-of-a-kind project in the sense that it differs from regular science shows. It would normally be held in a laboratory or a hospital. In Connected, we get to see scientists in different habitats and watch them learn and discover new things with us, such as as how is the desert connected to the ocean? How did you come up with the ideas for these six episodes for this talk series? Tell us what went about with the brainstorming process of these episodes.
0: Sure, yeah. So in a way, the way we started the kind of frame of it, we started from this place of, and it really was at the jump, we wanted to, we set out to, uh, as you know, to reinvent the science show, or at least to do something different than all the science shows of recent memory have been doing. And to like break out of the lab space, as you say, go out actually into the world where these people are doing these interesting things and to look over their shoulders while they're doing them. And that was the idea. That was part of it. And then the second part of it was, one thing I love is just going on Wikipedia and just jumping from link to link and just going on a random Wikipedia jag. And for me, that yeah, that was the inspiration for the structure in a way. Among other, there were a bunch of inspirations. but That was one of the inspirations for the structure, where it was like, oh, okay, what would it feel like if you just start in a place where we all are, Right? Which is, as you say, like a kind of a mundane thing, like dust or. And then what if you were on that Wikipedia page, so to speak, and then you just jump from. And it's, oh, and that's related. That reminds me of this thing. And that's related to this thing. And that's. And then somehow at the end, it all comes together and it feels like it's a satisfying. Yeah, it's like a kind of satisfying culmination of this weird rabbit hole journey that you customized, rabbit hole that you just went on. So that was the structure of it. And we really were trying to set out to do something different and make something different. And then as for how we found the stories, it was basically just like I had a whole bunch of ideas, a whole bunch of stories that I was super interested in and that for one reason or another either the show I worked for Radio Lab had rejected and didn't want to do or it felt like it was a particularly visual story or it felt like a story that I just yeah, I just, I just was like, oh, huh? I never heard of this or thought of this. Or wouldn't it be funny to put this next to this? Wouldn't it be fun? Like, I was like, huh? I feel like my the baby monitor that I'm using to look at my kid, like that's like a surveillance camera, actually. And he's like behind bars, like in a prison. That's weird. Or and then it would be like, oh, wouldn't that be interesting to put next to a story about a different kind of surveillance? Or and like we're watching all these, all the, like people are using these these cameras to to watch animals out in nature. Oh, wh- what if we put those, we're used to thinking of this in this domain and this in that domain and this in this other domain. And what if we just used something like a surveillance camera or something to cut across all those. So that was the fun of that. And also finding things like, like that that topic uh benford's law where it was like oh and i had been researching a bunch of other things and it just kept coming up and i was like what is this thing why do i keep seeing this thing and then seeing oh wow this thing cuts across all these different worlds and you're like oh okay and and then that's fun and then it can be like a a thing we follow a through line we follow and then also somehow we're taking this whistle stop tour of all these different parts of science in our world uh so that was a fun like finding Finding, basically to answer your question, I would get interested in a topic, like I knew I wanted to do a poop episode for sure. That was like the first thing I knew I wanted to do. And then I was like, okay, here's like a whole bunch of poop stories, a whole bunch of poop things that, uh, like revelations, let's say, And then it's, okay, if poop is the sort of through line, how many different worlds can I use that to take us through? And yeah, and then just stringing them all, stitching them all together, and trying to figure out like, what's the most logical way through this? And that will give that big, yeah, that big culminating moment. I think about it like I was like, like you're like building a roller coaster in a way like you're and you're like oh this segment would work here and then oh that tees you up for perfectly for this loop-de-loop over here and then oh and then that brings you right back to the beginning perfect that's the kind of that's the kind of what's
3: so interesting about what you just said is that it's like taking a multidisciplinary approach to different to one topic So like seeing it in different perspectives. And I think that you're bound to find someone that's interested to at least one of these multi-discipline disciplines basically. And that's how I think it strings us in as viewers. But I believe Asma has a really interesting question right now to talk about science and how that can be interesting. So Asma, go ahead, please.
2: Yeah, so one of the things that struck us when we were watching The Connected Show is that you found a way to make science very interesting. So how do you always seem to find that way? Did you always approach science from a fun perspective as a student? Or is that something you picked along later on in life?
0: Yeah, I think I re- I liked science. I think... Like, I went through a journey that a lot of people went through earlier on, which which is as a kid, I just asked so many questions. I was so interested. I wanted to know how things were. And then I think I had some really good science teachers, but then I also had some really not so great science teachers. Like, I I remember in high school, just hating science felt like what it felt like to me was you're sitting in your desk on the first day of class and then they give you a textbook or you have to go buy a textbook or whatever. And the textbook is just like a stack of answers to questions you didn't ask. And it's, okay, here's the boiling point of this thing, or here's the, so just some random thing. You're like, I don't, care. why would I care about this? I don't even know why to care about this. And in a way it's, they're telling you the answers before they're telling you the questions or before they let you have the questions and find the answers. So to me, there's sort of two things. So one is that, to motivate the answer, you have to really get me on board with the question. To so start with the question. And that's funny because that's the opposite of the way most news coverage is, right? Like it's the headline. The headline is studies find duh, And you're like, wait, but what were they, Why were they looking for that in the first place? Like what actually? And so that's to me, that's the that like the question is much more interesting and much more powerful than the answer. The answer is often actually very underwhelming we found in mice sometimes it has this effect but maybe that was just because of this other factor like the answers suck the questions are really interesting and it's the answers are these it's the closest we can get so to me it's invest actually if not as much but even more energy in the question at the beginning, motivate people, and then they'll count, They'll follow you wherever. If you've sold them on the question, they'll follow you wherever to get it, whatever piecemeal answer that you can find. So that's one thing is the questions. And then the second thing is to make it feel like to the degree you can, and we do this, I think more on Radiolab than I think we were able to do it somewhat as well on Connected. It's like finding the people in there, finding the people and making it, this isn't just a kind of abstract disembodied Like logic, like set of logic gates or something like it's, there are people who are like, oh, this is a question I really have. And I, maybe I even really have it for a personal reason and I'm trying to find the answer and it's really hard and I'm on a quest to find this answer or at least whatever I can to scratch the itch of the question that I have. And 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 so all of a sudden then once you're properly motivated and you're you're riding shotgun with somebody who who really is probably even more motivated than you all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah I want to go yeah let me just look over the shoulders I would love to see what's going on so to me I think it's so much of it is like like it's a question of yeah it's a question of like motivation up top it's like doing the work before Cause there's, there's things you could have said before you hand that textbook to the person that will all of a sudden make that textbook come alive. Like all of a sudden you're like, wow, this has the answers like to the, to this question that you just made me care about. So to, to me, it's so much of it is just about it's about the groundwork. It's about the beginning. The beginning. If you set, the, if you start on the right foot, then the whole rest of the journey is super
1: easy. I agree with that sentiment. But that podcast is a very competitive space right now. Good ideas and good content can only take you so far. You also need good audio engineering, which is something you're very proud of at Radio Lab. Yeah. So we're also experimenting with audio on our podcast. We want to up our game. We want to uh, upscale a bit and. And make it more more fleshed out. I was hoping to know how do you utilize sound effects and editing tools to enhance the topics that you're discussing on Radio Lab. For us, you're you're right. That's that's I think w- one
0: thing that helps our show stand out. We and the kind of sound of our show was forged by my predecessor and the founder of the show, Jad Abumrad, who was a musician. And the way he really thought about it was he was making music with words he listened to it as a kind of like that that even these experts talking even these experts even the most boring scientist who's talking about the most boring thing there's a musicality to that and tapping into that musicality actually will get people interested in a whole on a whole other register than yeah than just the ideas and the talky talk and so part of it is that sort of musicality of it is like thinking about it like music the other part of it is he is obsessed. He was and is obsessed with film scoring, and so for him, he was thinking like every Radio Lab episode is a movie that you don't see. It's a, we make the whole movie, and then we it's as if we already know what the visuals are going to be. Then we rip away the visuals, and then so you just so you're you're listening, you're having to make that movie in your own mind as you're listening, and we're making it a, a vivid movie that you'd want to watch, but you just can't watch it. You have to make it up in your head. And so that there's something in a way than you having to, unlike a movie that sort of just washes over you here, you're an active participant in it. You have to make the movie with them. And so doing it, I think, I hope that it engages people in a whole other way, more so than, for example, reading the Wikipedia page about whatever topic we're talking about, because there's it's actually more like you're watching the movie and you're participating in it.
2: Thank you so much. Yes, I do agree with that. We need to utilize the sound effects and need to use that to engage the audience and to get their attention going. So I'm going to turn it over to Lissa right now to ask you a question about science journalism and communication.
3: So I think that something that is very important when it comes to, for us, like people who are doing this podcast about science journalism and communication, are the main topics of our podcast, as you may know. So it's very important to come up with timely, interesting topics, no matter how niche maybe the topic is. Having said that, where we need to find a middle ground with the audience, the, what are they interested in? Where do you see like the world of science communication and journalism kind of heading? Are there any trends emerging or do you just prefer to take a different approach to the way you tell stories? If you could just let us know a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, to your first to your first point. I think that and to me again, I'm totally repeating myself, but like the question at the top is it should be something that you actually care about. There's so many there's so many shows that especially science shows that do the like question, but it's like a it's there's a question on top, but it's a rhetorical question that you wouldn't have asked actually, and they're just asking it as an excuse to tell the story that they're about to tell, that they were going to tell anyway. And to me, the thing is, how do you actually dig in to yourself to find a question that you actually have and that we all actually have? I really do think that there are some timeless, universal questions that we all have and that it's impossible not to to ask and wonder about and if somebody else is talking about to drop and be like what What? do they have any insight into these questions these are the big like the, the, the biggies it's like who are we where do we come from are we alone what is my dog thinking what are there aliens that are like that are watching me i don't know these are questions that like we're all i think we're all kind of thinking and it's like finding the version of that question that you're actually curious about and you think people are actually going to be curious about and i think that even the most obscure sort of scientific field you can find there's the lazy easy question which is oh how many elephants fit in a? Th-? and you're like no one was actually wondering that you're just saying that so that you can tell this story But to me, it's like if you actually tap into the thing, then you don't like, and and it requires a lot of searching of yourself to be like, am I really interested in this? Am I actually, why would I be interested in this? Anyway, so that was just the first about your sort of question about questions and finding that like middle ground. I think it's like it requires going deep in yourself to find that sort of question. And then your question about where the field is going. I think right now there's a kind of, we're in a, we're in a complicated moment because of the because of so much misinformation and disinformation, especially in a pandemic, no less, especially with climate change. Like these are scientific topics. These are topics that you literally like, coronavirus is invisible. Climate change is, it's real, we feel the effects of it, but like the CO2 in the atmosphere, these things are invisible. We need experts to help us understand them and protect ourselves and help ourselves not make the problem worse and hurt other people. That's like, we just need that. And yet it is at a time when a lot of people are saying a lot of stuff that is not true. And so how do you, so one thing I think is that, but at the same time, okay, so that's important. And we need things to be fact checked and buttoned up and really rigorously done. Like the stakes are too high. To say something that's wrong. At the same time, on the other hand, you want to meet people where they are. You don't want to be lecturing people. You don't want to be talking down to them and patronizing them. And so how do you meet people where they are? How do you kind of, yeah, how do you not leave people who don't believe the thing that the scientist you talk to believes? How do you not leave those people out in the cold? And how do you let them listen to your thing and feel like, oh, just be open to it? So there's a way in which you have to kind of both at the same time be more like more faithfully accurate and more more thoroughly meticulous in your documentation and your fact checking and whatever than ever before. But then there's also a way that you need to be more kind of gracious, open, like it's, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to be both of those things at the same time. And to say and to not say when someone says, oh, but what about I heard drinking bleach could actually help. And then you're like, oh, I did talk to 10 experts and read all the scientific papers and and do all this research. And and, and that's an extreme, obvious, dumb uh, example. But like, how do you actually how do you actually have that conversation in a real way? And your story is just one side of that conversation and being humble enough to. No, you don't know the answer. So you have to do the fact checking, but then also humble enough to say, look, like I, I want to talk to you as a person. I want to, I want to show you what I'm seeing and uh, I'm, I-, I may not know all the answers. Here's what I know based on this. I'm showing you my cards here, but uh, yeah, but I don't know, just being open enough to meet people where they are so that people will actually engage. And you're not just talking to people who already think what you're already doing. Cause then what's the point of even doing this story?
3: i just wanted to quickly come in and ask this is like out of the podcast and just purely um, i want to know is which one of the episodes of connected was your favorite to film and why
0: oh my god easily dust the dust episode was like was i mean first of all it was just the most extreme kind of locations in a way and most locations and the most extreme locations it was the one that like broke the bank like it made us go way over budget but uh, oh so fun it was so fun to go to the desert It was so fun to meet uh, his Dr. Musa and hang out with him, like just talking to him, I was like, what? Like he would talk to, he was talking to me about how, so he goes out into these, like he has a family and stuff and then he'll go out in this car, like way out in the middle of this air desert. And then he'll just, he'll be like, and sometimes there's a sandstorm. And I'm like, what do you do if there's a sandstorm? He's, oh, I'll wait in my car. And I'm like, oh, how long does the sandstorm take? Sometimes two to three days. And I'm like, you're just in your car for two to three days? What are you doing in your car for two to three days? But then he'll come out after the sandstorm and then there'll all be all, the, all these fossils like just sitting there. And for me, finding that catfish fossil, like I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm the first person ever to touch this. That is crazy. Yeah, so that was really cool. And then also, and we didn't even say this in the thing and we should have. The way the schedule timed out, because all the, I was, we were shooting all six of them all at the same time. So it was like actually really confusing. And I would be doing like, red-eye flights like almost every night or every other night to a completely different part of the world to film a segment about a completely different story. So it would be like, oh, okay, th- today's surveillance. Okay, tomorrow I'm in, in Finland for poop and then I'm going to NASA for this. And then I'm like, it was completely different, totally herky-jerky. I was like, never sure where on earth I was. And then, and but the schedule timed out in such a way that when I went to the Amazon, it was like something like 11 days later or whatever it was, after the time I went to the Sahara. And it turns out that's the same amount of time the dust takes to go from the Sahara to the Amazon. So it's like the same, I mean, it's invisible, so I couldn't see it, but the same dust that I would have been in Chad with, I was in Brazil with, which is so cool. Like it was just so cool and it was weird, but it was so cool. So that was, yeah, it was like, It was a magical, life-altering, yeah, just like a snapshot of the Earth. You're like, wow, this is, what a planet.
2: Thank you so much. So to end, we just want to ask if you have anything else that you want to add?
0: I think that, obviously, I'm extraordinarily biased as someone who does a lot of science reporting, but I, I think that this is a really tremendously important Field. I think it's a tremendously important, it's a kind of, it's a calling, but it's also a, a big responsibility. But as someone who is doing this, I really do feel like we need all the help we can get. And as, as you guys are honing your skills, being vaulted into the world, hoping and excited to do this sort of work, like, I just want to encourage you. I think you're like, this is a field that's not going to go away anytime soon. This is a field that, yeah, is vitally important. There's vitally important work to be done, stories to be covered that nobody else is covering, perspectives to to take on that nobody else is taking on. I just think this is um um, we need you guys. We need your help. And so get in the game. and and, yeah, and I'm excited. I'm excited for all of you. I'm rooting for you,
2: thank you. That's it. It was a pleasure having you today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time on Science Journal. Thank you for listening to the Science Journal podcast. Don't forget to visit our website sciencejournalqa.com and follow us on Instagram at sciencejournalqa. This episode of Science Journal was produced by Professor Anto Mohsin and his research assistants Asmat Nakeeb, Shahir Liakat, Elissa Mifleh, Rasul Ajadu, Iman Bou, and Ahmed Jasim. It was edited by Shahir Liakat and Asmat Nakeeb. Graphics and artwork by Ahmed Jasim.